it's episode 52 of Auto Catch-Up, and I'm Ashley Perkins, and it's so great to have you here with us once again for our weekly catch-up on everything that's happening in the Australian automotive world, as well as what's going around everywhere else around the globe. Now, we've got some pretty big news following on from this week, and um, some interesting news as well. And um, I think there's going to be plenty of things that we should just get straight into it. So first up, Hyundai, Mitsubishi, and Nissan are continuing to have lots of delays around um, chip shortages and, of course, other coronavirus or COVID-related issues as well. So there's some details that have come out um, around. So even, for example, Hyundai um, have outlined and and had some of their sales bulletin info come out um, via, you know, we've seen this come through performancedrive.com.au where um, some of these unscheduled customer orders, the approximate wait time for that, and then, of course, um, newly placed customer orders. And those waits are ranging anywhere between two to six months to even nine months. So if you're after an i30 sedan, the minimum wait time is two months and has been pushed out. Um, The maximum wait time, they're saying, can be up to nine months. If you're going in and placing a new order for one of those cars so you're not looking to just jump in and grab one that can be up to eight to nine months the worst one seems to be so far is the tucson two liter with the n-line package where that wait time can be between two and 11 months or if you're walking in and placing your own order that's 10 to 11 months as well um some of the details around for um, Mitsubishi can be quite delayed as well. So their details, including the Mitsubishi ASX and Eclipse, um, are facing some significant delays as well. And um, with what we're seeing uh, through Nissan itself, um, either orders are being cancelled, um, say for the Nissan Leaf, um, the production has been fully cut. Um, X-Trail as well, 370Z has been oversubscribed, so there's no um, production cuts there. Same with GTR, but there's been partial cuts with the Navarre and Duke as well. So some stock orders have been retimed to later production or stock orders are being cancelled themselves. So it's pretty significant, pretty major delays going on. Um, and that's just outlining Hyundai, Mitsubishi, Nissan, that that they're not the only ones affected by this. We do know that BMW have had to change the the op- options offerings um, for customers as well. So it's um, certainly something that's uh, been going on and on a lot more for um, for this. So it's quite quite hard, um, and these delays are really impacting obviously what you can walk in as a buyer and choose from, and also potentially affecting the price which you pay because people are wanting these cars. We know that. It's end of financial year as well and um, there's just simply not the stock available to satisfy that so it's um, certainly keep an eye out for um, if you are in the market keep an eye out for what stock is popping up and and, and perhaps have a good chat with your dealers and, and, and look at what the pathway is available to you to to find and secure some stock at a price that works for you. Um, there's certainly the possibility of deals being done, but it's certainly uh, probably a bit harder to to get right now. Um, so next up, and this is one that we've been really excited for and um, a bit of hype around not only the outgoing, but the new incoming model is the Toyota Land Cruiser. So the 200 series we know has been extremely popular. We have covered in the past that pricing has been absolutely insane um, with some new Sahara models selling for up to about $160,000 and even um, other used models, uh, like say we've seen some 2017 models sitting around $100,000 $120,000. So what you should have been able to walk in and buy a brand new Sahara for, you're buying a, a two, three, four-year-old car um, just to show that the 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 run on these cars is really quite high. But the 300 Series is the first new Toyota Land Cruiser in 14 years. Um, it's probably been one of the longest stretches of a, of a car. Um, 
which we've seen recently. And uh, yeah, it's been formally revealed. It's got a twin turbo diesel V6 and a twin turbo V6 petrol um, instead of any V8 options. Um, And in terms of a hybrid, we, we heard some information coming out about a hybrid, but it's likely due between any between now now and 2025 so that's um that's uh we'll we'll see how that that pans out and that's something which i'm really hopeful for we'll see in the future um is more of the hybrid because i think that's a huge potential um for this but in terms of some details the twin turbo v6 is a 3.3 liter 227 kilowatt and 700 newton meter um so it is more powerful and has more torque than the outgoing diesel v8 um which is obviously quite quite reassuring and and quite nice to see um the 300 series has a 10 speed automatic rather than a six speed in the 200 series so it's designed to boost that acceleration and improve open road fuel economy and um even though we have less stringent emission standards, the pressure to go to a V6 has been through to global shift to smaller capacity engines because of stricter emissions targets that we're seeing around the world. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm personally looking forward to it, and, and and I don't think for me I will miss the, uh, the 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 V8. And the thing is, is that some Land Cruiser 300 series models in other countries um, will be getting an even more powerful twin turbo V6 petrol, which has 305 kilowatts of power and 650 newton meters of torque, um, also using a 10-speed auto, and um, that I think we could see potentially in a in a in a special model down the road. Now, in terms of if you're still desperately wanting a V8, um, the V8 with the single turbo will remain in production for for the for now, um, but that will be only available in the Land Cruiser 70 series. But we do expect that to switch um, to a V6 at some point. So there's been a couple of different models that they showed off um, with a broader model range. So we've got the uh, the more upmarket at the top end so um focusing on range rover as a benchmark and then we've got a middle of a range which is also called which is now called the gr sport um so yeah that's uh it's quite and i'm and, and i think the the difference there is different styling across those range the gr sport is using a bit more plastic has a big Toyota branding across the front compared to the the more subtle Toyota logo on the front of the other higher end models um, but I think it certainly leaves the potential open for some slightly different um, details in or around there um, and, and tuning of course um, pricing wise it is expected that it will be a bit more expensive than the recommended retail price of the outgoing 200 series um, but I think uh, with the popularity of the Land Cruiser, I don't think that will put too many people off, especially what they're buying the outgoing 200 Series 4. In terms of the interior, which is probably the one area which needed the biggest amount of focus, is the thing that has received a massive overhaul. So it now has a wonderful big infotainment display, which also supports Apple, Android, and Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, it does look a lot nicer, more upmarket, more modern, um, while still retaining a lot of great Toyota features. I can't see if the fridge is still remaining in the Sahara level model, um, but yeah, it's it still retains the, the huge size of what we used to in the Land Cruiser. 200 series but modernizing it and making it look much better um muttering put a a good little article together we'll link it and talk about their favorite top four features um a lot of work they go into a little bit more detail about how the chassis works because that's been a lot of work put into there the technology of course so there is a new 14 speaker premium sound system uh and it does mention the small in-car fridge so that is a game changer i think uh going anywhere um there are adaptive led headlights while a smartphone charging um there is a cabin air ionizer and um and a power operated single piece tailgate which also is a is a great 
new feature. So moving right along now, BMW has revealed their first M electric car. So that is within the BMW i4 range. It is a 400 kilowatt road burning M50 model, um, which will be leading the entire i4 electric range in Australia. So BMW confirmed that it will launch early next year. Um, been topped with this M model and so yeah it's a 400 kilowatt 795 newton meter powertrain doing 0 to 103.9 seconds and whilst it's not a full-fledged BMW M it is because it's more of an M performance model um, but it has been revealed that the i4 range would be delivering that high performance variant but this i4 m50 puts it close to the m4 acceleration despite being a lot heavier due to the electric vehicle um motors and batteries and things like that but it's um going to be a huge factor and i think in, in in showing the potential of what bmw m has um, but it has a range it has an 80.9 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery which is rated at 510 kilometers of range on a single charge and um that's a solid like Given that, I th you know, really in that 400 plus kilometer range is where we're getting to a point where you don't have to worry about your state of charge every single day and planning out exactly where you're going. I know from experience, particularly with uh, a couple of Teslas and Kona EV, which have that similar type of range. The Kona EV, for example, has 450 kilometers of range. That is a range where you can be quite comfortable in where you're going and just have to do a little bit of planning, particularly if you're just doing a longer drive. But outside of that, you can be a bit more relaxed, even in a place such as Brisbane, which has limited, um, you know, limited charging options. So that's going to be a great level of, of range. So within the i4 m50 specifically there's two motors so driving each axle in a normal drive system so each motor is electronically excited synchronous motor as they call it and it's combined torque speaks in sport boost mode where the driver can get that optimal performance for more than 10 seconds so bmw m has tuned the uh that m50 to produce that sporty sound so that's engineered and and that's out of um the iconic sounds facility developed by Hans Zimmer, the the um, the composer um, that you probably know plenty of music from, whether it's the the DC movies, so Superman um, of late, or even Justice League and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, so sounds developed by that, according to the preliminary specs. So they have M50 alloy wheels that are 18 inches um, and then 18 inch on the rear as well, which seems kind of small compared to what we've, we're used to out of German makers now, um, but you can fit up to a 20 inch M light alloy wheel as well. Um, of course, there's M sport brakes and variable sports steering. And um, yeah, it's, we haven't, we don't know exactly how that's going to be, to be driving, but the M50 should have some pretty good performance. We've seen it in that straight line. And if it's tuned like any other M vehicle, any other BMW, it should be fantastic around the corners as well. Um, the center of gravity is significantly lower than the 3 Series sedan um, because it's an electric car. It just it use, utilizes the batteries to, it, to its advantage. The big thing on the interior is that it's utilizing the new operating system for iDrive um, so it has a 14.9 inch touchscreen as well as the instrument cluster instrument cluster which is a 12 point inch 12.3 inch display and it's got three zone climate control across the entire range um, you've got you all of the usual um, driver assist technologies you've got your parking reversing assistance um, and yeah there is also in addition to this model a basic e-drive 40 um, which will give you 590 kilometers of range so even more but with significantly less power 250 kilowatts and 430 new of torque which still is nothing much to sneeze at um the iDrive E40 will be driven by just one motor at the rear wheel, so it will be rear-wheel drive, and its 0 to 100 will be 5.7 seconds. Pricing is yet to come. Um, that will be 
coming closer to launch, of course, which is going to be that first quarter of 2022. But you can pre-order the car if you're really wanting to. Um, but without pricing, I don't see there's much point. Um, and let's hope that stock shortages don't continue until then. But moving on to another exciting sedan is the 2021 Genesis G70. So pricing and specs have been revealed um, and some early reviews have come out. We are booked into our review a little bit later in early August. Um, by the time we asked and, and got our scheduled, everyone has jumped in on it. So, But we can't wait to drive this. It's uh, We had a great experience in the G70 in the previous generation and um, are really excited by this new model coming so um, pricing wise let's get straight into it so pricing starts from $63,000 which is more expensive than the previous model so it is about $3,700 more than before and this is all before on-road costs Um, this is the 2 liter 4 cylinder but there's also a 3.3 liter V6 petrol Um, and the rear wheel drive G70 is you know it's really that sports luxury sedan and um, is that entry level for for the Genesis brand. So with that 2-litre turbo, it is a Hyundai's Theta 2 turbo four-cylinder engine. So it gives you 179 kilowatts of power, 353 newton meters of torque, and and power is going through the real rear wheels through an eight-speed auto. Um, the $76,000 3.3-litre T-Sport, um, which is $3,500 more than the outgoing similar model, um, is powered by that tuned 3.3-litre twin-turbo V6, and it produces 274 kilowatts and 510 newton-metres of power again going through to the rear wheel so there's no all-wheel drive option at the moment um, and that's also utilizing the eight-speed automatic so you do get a little bit more power compared to the ongoing one but the biggest change is i think in the updated equipment so standard equipment and both models included chromic mirrors panoramic glass sunroof touch type front door handles larger more powerful wireless charging charging pad which is great given the size of some phones particularly the iphone 12s um, in the pro max form leather appointed trim which is just looking absolutely fantastic in photos i highly recommend jumping on those 12 way power adjustable heated and ventilated seats in the front um, dual zone climate control keyless entry st- um, and start rain sensing wipers a 10.25 inch multimedia screen sat nav nine speaker audio carplay android auto and 19 inch alloy wheels now in the v6 the electronic control suspension is also added with a dual muffler that has a variable exhaust brembo brake package limited slip diff and a sport plus track focus drive mode so that should be pretty exciting you can add a Sportline package for $4,000 to the 2-litre, um, which also adds dark chrome, black G-Matrix air, gri- air guides, um, and other dark things, sports leather seats, suede headliner, alloy pedal trims, um, aluminium trim panels on the inside, the limited slip diff and the Brombo brake package. Um, as well as um, a fairly expensive luxury package. So this is $10,000 and it adds both safety and convenience features. So you have forward attention warning, intelligent front lighting system, acoustic laminated windscreen and front door glass, uh, Nappa leather, which is just glorious upon interior, suede headlining, electronic steering wheel adjustment, 12.3 inch 3D, digital instrument cluster heads-up display 16-way electric driver's seats um, heated steering wheel heated rear seats power rear tailgate 15 speaker lexicon premium audio and matte paint is also available as a two thousand dollar option um, there's a ton of standard safety features as well so as pretty much everything that you would expect um, there is no mention of the wagon yet, which has been shown off in other photos. Um, so it is just the two vehicles in the launch. Um, but it, uh, it's certainly a great looking car and it really is taking aim at the A4 from Audi, the BMW 3 Series, Jaguar XC, and of course the Mercedes C-Class. Um, but something I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, it's a great, great looking car. 
and can't wait to share more as uh, as it becomes available. Um, but next, in, in the launches continue. So the 2022 Lexus NX has been revealed. So their SUV has been shown. It's got a new styling, new engine, new interior, but no electric or high-performance variants just yet um, to rival things like the BMW X3, Audi Q5, or even the Volvo XC60. So it arrives in November this year with three spec levels with petrol and hybrid options um, with front-end all-wheel drive configurations. Um, that pure electric model, a high performance, so like an NXF um, to take on. There's not much information, though. I would suspect at some point we might see something like that. Um, in terms of engines, 2.5-litre petrol four-cylinder engine um, with front and electric motors. Um, so that's their plans for the first plug-in hybrid model, and that they say in the NX 450H Plus um, we'll be able to cover 75 kilometers on a full charge. So not quite as what we would expect. I'd prefer a full um, electric model rather than a plug-in model as that as that mid-step because the hybrids are pretty good anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. But in terms of the NX that's available right now, uh, it's a 2.4 liter turbocharged petrol engine um, with electronically controlled all drive and an e-latch technology which helps with uh, essentially it eliminates internal door handles so it's pretty interesting um, but this is the first car developed at the company's new Shimoyama technical center outside of Nagoya in Japan um, and so they include also a 5.3 kilometer test track that mimics elements of the Nürburgring and other tough real world roads. And I guess during the pandemic, it's when you can't go to the Nürburgring as easily, it's, uh, you know, why not build your own and, and have it where exactly where all your team is. So this new facility, it opened 2019, plays a key, you know, they say it played a key role in this. And um, yeah, it's it's quite remarkable. This new interior is a massive departure from what we've seen in Lexus in the past. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite, quite beautiful looking. Um, so in terms of specs uh, on the interior, we have... Um, High resolution 14-inch touchscreen incorporates Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, um, as well as Hey Lexus voice activation in case, you know, Siri or um, Google Assistant isn't your thing. The touchpad controller is also gone. Um, You've got lots of safety features, um, passenger... Oh, sorry. um, uh, All sorts of different um, identity... Um, systems to help see pedestrians or cyclists as well as oncoming cars and oncoming cyclists so for opening your doors the three little geysers are the NX250 which is a 2.5 litre non-turbocharged four cylinder engine um, which has an 8 speed automatic transmission um, no power figures just yet um, but there's also a NX350, which is the 2.4 liter turbocharged engine. And then at the top is the NX350H hybrid, which has the 2.5 liter engine plus Toyota's E4 electric all-wheel drive system. So same as what we've seen on the RAV4, um, which can go from 100% in the front wheels or 2080 front to rear. No pricing just yet, but the current range for the NX starts at 57500 before on-road, so we expect that to be fairly similar unless there's any um, price bumps. Um, but yeah, we expect uh, expect those to be arriving shortly, and uh, once we have prices, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. Okay, so next up in our vehicle info releases is the Hyundai i30N. So even though we do know there's significant delays at the moment, um, the face facelifted i30N, which also brings a dual-clutch transmission for the first time for the model, um, will be slightly more expensive than before. So 
unlike uh, previously, th there's $3,100 more for the performance model. So it now starts from $41,400 plus your on-roads. Um, but it's still $8,600 less than the new auto-only Volkswagen Golf GDI, um, which also arrives next month. So the first automatic i30N will command that $3,000 premium at $47,500, um, while the new premium variant wears the same stick price as a manual and costs a cool $52,000 plus your on-road costs as an auto, which also includes a sunroof, um, which is a $1,500 option on the i30N premium. Um, we haven't seen much for the i30 sedan just yet. Um, it's yet to be revealed, but it is based on the i30 sedan and I think will be quite cool. Unfortunately, they're saying it's likely to replace the Fastback N um, when it arrives here in October, but uh, I think the Fastback is a great, unique car and um, it'd be a shame to lose that in lieu of, a, of the sedan. So the i30N hatchback has a 2.0-litre four-cylinder turbo engine. It now has 206 kilowatts of power at 6,000 RPM and 392 newton meters of torque. Um, so it's up four kilowatts and has an extra 39 newton meters on the manual only model that it replaces. So 0 100, 5.4 seconds. So it's 0.7 of a second faster than the outgoing car. And it's electronically limited to 250 kilometers per hour for both auto and manual. Um, the DCT adds steering wheel paddle shifters. It has three new performance functions for N. So N grin shift and power shift and N track shent. Track, uh, hang on, let's start it. Let's try that again. N track sense shift. Um, so it has um, some carryover things as well. So it has rev matching launch control and a rear bar to increase body stiffness, which is great. But what what's N grin grin? Yeah, N grin shift. Geez, these are not good combos for me. Um, it has maximum power for 20 seconds and it's activated via a button on the steering wheel so it's almost like a an push the overtake button in a formula one car uh, n power shift engages when the car accelerates with more than 90 percent throttle reducing torque but and re reducing torque reduction during upshifts while n track sense shifts automatically activates automatically when it recognizes that road conditions are optimal for dynamic driving so as before there's five different modes so we've got eco normal sport n and n custom so n custom is where you can tune parts of the car to exactly how you want um, but each of those things they play with the engine suspension stability control the exhaust the steering transmission and also that n corner carving which is powered by that or which has which utilizes that front limited slip diff um there's new forged alloy wheels so in the 19 inch which is amazing so that's going to be 14.4 kilos lighter than the current models cast wheels which is a huge gain um as well as there's a dark satin gray matte finish coming with n specific red brake calipers with the n logo p rally p0 tires are also standard whilst the front brake discs have grown from 345 millimeters to 360 millimeters so that's going to be great um as well as there's going to be some new n light sports bucket seats they're going to be 2.2 kilos lighter than the standard seats um, more lateral support premium leather alcantara trim etc etc um, but yeah so this is pretty cool this is i think this is going to be a very exciting car um, great follow-up to the first generation which has had resounding success and um, yeah we can't drive can't wait to drive it uh, when it arrives particularly that dct model we've, we've had a bit of a go um, in the manual and across at the N Festival as well as in the I-20N, but we haven't been able to get our hands on the N DCT just yet. But next up, so going into a slightly different uh, slightly different mode right now, so the Toyota Mirai, which is the hydrogen-powered vehicle that we've had recently arrive in Australia. So it sets a new travel record um, for a long-distance run in, by traveling 1,003 kilometers on hydrogen power. So unfortunately, it knocks over Hyundai in their Guinness World Record attempt for a single tank of hydrogen fuel. Um, but that's pretty, pretty amazing. So they started their journey in France and uh, had a team of a Toyota engineer, product management, PR and hydrogen fuel specialist managed to cover just over that 
1,003 kilometers, just on 5.6 kilos of liquid hydrogen. Um, so it's pretty impressive given that the official range estimate is 675 kilometers. Um, and yeah, it basically turns that to a more of a, a rel- equated thing to be about 3.62 liters per 100 kilometers. Um, so I said all four drivers adopted the eco driving style, which is probably um, probably not that exciting. Um, and but you know, to for the goal of it, I guess it, it does the job. So helping maximize the range of the record attempt was the regenerative braking feature. So it feeds energy back into the little 1.2 kilowatt lithium-ion battery that it has so it can be utilized later. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's just one week after Hyundai set that record of 887 kilometers on a trip in the Hyundai Nexo, um, which they did actually in Australia where they were outside of Melbourne and ended up north of Broken Hill. Um, so it's great it's a great little bit of competition um, and uh, it'd be interesting to see both cars on the same roads because I think that would be a, an interesting comparison compared to obviously one's been in France one's in here in Australia on different roads different altitudes different temperatures um, different road grades it all makes a makes a big difference so the Volkswagen ID3 so continuing on that trend of uh, affordable somewhat affordable it's not really cheap those hydrogen cars just yet but you know affordable evs in a way um the volkswagen id3 has a chance to be australia's most affordable ev but we could have a bit of a wait so when asked how far out the id3 was from the market according to cars guide um the the reply was we're a right-hand drive market already tied at the end of the production chain and pricing we're looking at the top end of regular golf range think the r line that 40k range they said so um if the brand can actually bring the car here at forty thousand dollars it means it would be the most affordable electric car in australia knocking the mg zs ev um, which is another solid electric vehicle um off the block for being the cheapest so that starts at 43,990 drive away um though in imminent zs EV facelift could increase the the price, um, giving the ID3 another advantage. Um, this is pretty exciting. We for the longest time we've been waiting for the ID vehicles to make their way down to Australia. It's just it's felt like it's taken forever. And Volkswagen has said um, they're not really motivated at the moment to bring any of their electric models down to Australia, and um, it's because we don't have the support and the um, from, from the government to, to encourage EV purchases. We don't have the charging infrastructure, so um, there's a lot of cost and effort required to bring a car to Australia to market it. So this seems to be more, um, you know, more reassuring that's the thing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. We'll, we'll keep you... Um, in mind so the, the range itself it, it is a small electric hatch so it has a 45 kilowatt um or there's actually a couple of different options so a 350 kilometer range a 420 kilometer range or a 550 kilometer range um and the most affordable version that 45 kilowatt hour one with 350 kilometer range starts at about the equivalent of around fifty thousand dollars in germany so there would have to be some pretty competitive pricing advantages to bring it over here for cheaper than that and uh, it'd probably be one of the the rare times of that um is the uh is the case so that's pretty exciting um but i won't be holding my breath on the opposite scale of EVs, the Porsche Taycan Turbo has um, set a new production electric vehicle lap record at the bend. Um, so it is, uh, it has been piloted by former Bathurst 1000 winner and obviously part of the Porsche track experience. Chief instructor Luke Yulden um, took a red Taycan Turbo S around the bend, the 7.7 kilometer GT circuit layout in three minutes and 30 seconds. Um, so it claimed the record for series production vehicle um, and it set it. So it didn't really break it, but um, yeah, there's a pretty 
compelling reason we might see a bit of a battle going on now, um, particularly amongst Tesla and even Audi um, that might be capable of beating that Porsche time. But it's setting a time and hopefully it sets, um, you know, an exciting little battle, just like we were talking about some of the other EVs. Um, Now, in comparison, a Porsche 911 Turbo... um, is faster so it posted a three minute 22 second time so it is quite a bit faster um but they're saying four percent slower than the 911 um but you know this this is a great starting point for porsche's first electric car and um i can't wait to see what future versions will bring and hopefully we'll see a bit more of the uh the competition around electric electric lap records that would be uh pretty i don't know it doesn't really mean anything in the real world but um that would be exciting to to have now finally um within the ev realm 7-eleven australia is not going to be installing any electric vehicle charges locally despite um the US arm of the company pledging to install 500 fast chargers at its North American sites, um, which is a bit of a shame. Like, this is the opportunity to, to inject some further money, but like what we've had in discussions previously, there's not much of a, a financial incentive to actually encourage um, having a uh, an electric charger at a petrol station. If you think about the amount of time which an electric car needs, even on a, an extremely fast charger, um, it's, it's much longer than people going through and filling up their car with petrol. So when it comes to taking up a, a car space um, or a car parking space at some of these 7-Eleven sites that aren't huge... Um, the dollar return, the productive value of that car space is actually quite low. And um, you can see why that might not be uh, might not be part of the plan. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it doesn't really... Uh doesn't really surprise me but perhaps you know hopefully there is a um you know someone saying that yeah they they wake up to it and maybe do a trial it'd be nice to see how that how that goes um but i see but i think we'd see 7-eleven and other fuel franchises be more likely to pick up hydrogen um because it operates in a similar way to fuel um compared to adding electric in there so let's jump in to something that is probably pretty exciting, but um, has been an ongoing saga, and that's the the 2022 Chevrolet C8 Corvette, so the mid-engine Corvette. So GMSV has officially opened the order books for the C8 Corvette. So after announcing prices for the two LT and three LT variants back in March, they've now officially opened up its order book while adding another special variant, the carbon edition, which is exclusive to Australia and New Zealand. Um, so the carbon edition is comes with a carbon fiber interior package, trident wheel package finished in spectra gray, a carbon fiber roof, unique carbon build plate and engine lighting package with carbon fiber closeout panels. Um, the full spec for Corvette vehicles in Australia and New Zealand um, are yet to be confirmed to see in the 2LT and 3LT um, but we do expect that they will be fitted with a performance package that has adaptive suspension upgraded brakes and a lip, limited slip diff um, it's kind of it's been a bit of a, a funny thing and this has been a, a, a vehicle that's been hotly anticipated and was once confirmed by Holden to be bringing in before Holden suddenly changed their plans for Australia but in general, the mid-mounted 6.2-litre V8 pushes out 370 kilowatts of power, 637 newton meters of torque, um, and so it has more power. It is the first attempted mid-engine supercar by GM, and um, it gives excellent power-to-weight ratio, so it's 0 to 103.4 seconds, a quarter-mile time of 11.9 seconds, and uh, uses a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. Pricing-wise, the coupe for the 2LT starts at $144,990. In the convertible version, it's $159. 3LT coupe, $160. Convertible, $175. So quite significant jumps to go to the convertible. And then that carbon edition coupe is $189,000. So deliveries are anticipated for final stages of 2021. 
um, or most likely probably early 2022. Okay, so the Nissan Z, that concept car that came out a little while ago, the 400Z, uh, which got the internet going, was probably one of my favorite recent concept cars from a realistic point of view, Um, you know, a a hint at the production version. And despite all of the leaks and all of the little snapshots we've seen, um, we now have finally an official date for that car to be revealed. Um, And that will be August 17. So the car maker will be unveiling in conjunction with the New York Motor Show, um, which opens to media on August 19. And uh, certainly looks like it's going to be the venue for this car to break its ground. Um, They announced the date via social media. And um, not only they revealed that the new Z would be unveiled in New York City, but its imagery confirms that it will be called the Nissan Z, rather than what we saw previously of the 400 Z. Um, we expect it to launch early next year for Australia, um, not long after the auto books open in North America, which is its biggest market. Um, the all new twin turbo V6 rear wheel drive sports car is expected to be priced from sixty to seventy thousand dollars, so um, pretty close to the outgoing 370Z. And um, obviously, it undercuts quite heavily the Toyota Supra, which is priced from eighty-seven or on road. You're seeing about a hundred, you know, around that hundred thousand dollar mark. Um, power is set to be coming from an infinity sourced three liter twin turbo v6 and um, should be giving about 300 kilowatts of power and 500 newton meters of torque um, and either with a manual or automatic transmission so i'm really excited by that and uh, to not miss out on any news toyota as well has revealed a new carbon fiber edition um just to, I don't know, maybe not to steal back some of the uh, the limelight, but definitely to, to draw some attention and create a, a new special edition. So it's a special run of 600 cars. Um, it has redesigned aero to boost performance on track. And we don't have details of how much downforce it will produce, um, but the new aero pack includes a new splitter, side skirts, side and rear canards, a duckbill extension from the rear spoiler, um, and they're all made out of visible carbon fiber. It's available in white, yellow, or matte gray. Um, All versions come with matte black 19-inch wheels and a red and black leather Alcantara interior. Um, It's not expected to come here in Australia, but um, it is created by Toyota USA, um, and it uses the stock, um, keeping with the tradition, say, from the 86, keeps in condition of keeping the engine stock with the twin-scroll turbocharged 3-litre inline six-cylinder, producing the same 285 kilowatts and 500 new meters as the, uh, the recently updated Supra. Now, what does that mean when it comes to, you know, do do we think that Toyota will boost power when it comes to, uh, you know, the 300 or the, sorry, the Nissan Z, if it does have more power? I wonder how that fight will go um, if they want to uh, bring the fight, but we'll keep an eye out on that and we'll keep you up to date as that comes through. One car which you might not have seen a lot about, but certainly made an impact, and they've done pretty well in Formula One so far for, uh, you know, bringing back Fernando Alonso um, as a mid-range team is the Alpine A110. So their coupe vehicle, their sports car, is uh, gets more power, and um, it's priced from $115,000 plus on roads, but the A110S has a premium over the A110 entry-level pure and mid-range legend, um, but it has more power. So mid-mounted 1.8-litre turbocharged petrol four-cylinder engine has increased peak power from 185 kilowatts to 215 kilowatts and that torque figure though remains unchanged um, it's mated to a 7 speed dual clutch automatic um, 0 to 104.4 seconds which so it's a tenth of a second quicker um, to to 100 and it's got a variable sports, exist, sports exhaust system compared to the A110 and a unique suspension setup so it has stiffer springs anti-roll bars and a bespoke damper tune and um, you've got some other visual 
changes as well, including updated um, Pilot Sport 4 tyres, Brembo brakes for orange calipers, which I'm a big fan of, and a specific C-pillar badging. So I recommend jumping onto the website if you're wanting to put your name down for one of those. And in terms of... uh, monstrous performance um, in, in in a special edition. So Bugatti has lifted the lid on its latest and greatest Chiron, uh, the Super Sport. So it packs... And get ready for this. 1,176 kilowatts of power from a revised twin-turbo W16 engine. Um, it's based on the Supersport 300 that was released in 2019, but the latest Supersport features um, the same long-tail styling and pro- promises an even more comfortable drive. Um it utilizes that 8-liter W16 engine with that power and 1,600 newt meters of torque, um, which does 0 to 200, mind you, 200 in 5.8 seconds, um, and 0 to 300 in or in 12.1 seconds. Top speed is limited. Yeah, I love this. Limited to 439 kilometers per hour. Super Sport is 25 centimeters longer than the standard Chiron, um, with Bugatti's engineers finding a way to reduce its overall rate by 23 kilos. Um, underneath, the team installed larger turbochargers, a revised oil pump, cylinder heads, transmission, and clutch. It all sounds very, very expensive to me. Um, of course, there's chassis and aerodynamic tweaks that they've done, new steering system with stiffer dampers, harder springs and revisions for the electronically controlled chassis. And uh, what's what's even crazier is that the Pilot Sport Cup 2 tyres um, that they utilise can consistently drive at up to 500 kilometres per hour. Um, yeah, so that's insane. So Bugatti says deliveries of the Chiron Supersport are set to start in early 2022 with a price tag of 3.2 million euros, not including taxes and on-road costs. And production is kept at just nine units. So um, if you're in the market, talk to your Bugatti contacts because chances are you already own a Bugatti and you know they're just the right people to talk to to arrange one. But let's jump into a little bit more of the affordable side of the Ferrari brand um, in a name that we haven't seen in a long time, which is the Ferrari Dino. So the hybrid V6 that they're the, the model that they're developing has hit the road and um, some spy shots have shown that the new entry-level Ferrari with the code name of F171 has been, uh, been pictured out on the road and it shows how... You know the, uh, the the development is going, and just some of the unique uh, and also similar features that are developing across some of the different models that are leading to it. So instead of a 750 kilowatt four liter twin turbo petrol electric V8, the entry level entry level Ferrari will have a V6 based powertrain. Um, the reborn Dino is expected to come equipped with an advanced twin turbocharged 3.6, uh, 3 liter V6 and boosted by a single electric motor. Um, and it'll be neatly packaged within the transmission. So Ferrari's latest supercar um, will miss out on the all wheel drive system, but remain rear driven. Um, so it's going to be pretty interested. So it's limited to. It's, it's going to be limited electric only running. Um, it won't be plugged in though, so it won't be a plug-in hybrid, uh, but should come close to matching the McLaren Artura, which is what they're aiming for. So expect around 500 kilowatts of power, which is obviously nothing again to sneeze at, or seven, and 700 meters of torque. Uh, zero 100 time, less than three seconds is probably expected. Um, and yeah, so... Yeah, this is pretty exciting, and we can expect this powertrain to probably resurface in a few other models that are in the way. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of funny to to see this coming back, and the rumors of a cheap V6 powered Ferrari has been sort of happening for years now. Um, but yeah, and and even former Ferrari CEO said it's not it's not a question of if, but when. Um, so yeah, expect it to cost around four hundred thousand dollars when here in Australia, but give or take, I'll probably 
give more than take, I would imagine, for Ferrari. But yeah, this is going to be interesting if uh, if this Dino brand comes back. Uh, certainly open up the doors to a few more people to, to enjoy. And probably someone who's been enjoying the car a little bit too much, which has made the rounds. And our final news piece is the police confiscated Lamborghini Huracan Performante in Australia. So the um, this car has been put up by auction by Queensland Police as it was confiscated. Um, and it's not because of Hooning that the car has been taken off, but it's actually because of you know, a number of outstanding other driving offences um, for a dangerous operation of a vehicle, evading police, drug driving, and attempted attempting to pervert, police, uh, pervert justice. Um, so Queensland laws state that if an individual is charged with multiple high-level driving offences, the state can formally confiscate the vehicle, which basically what is taken on right now. So confiscated vehicles are either auctioned off or scrapped with any proceeds going towards the state's uh, funds uh, so it can be found on the Mannheim auction website we'll have the link the car is super low in terms of kilometers it's just got 1059 kilometers on there um, which does have some pretty impressive timing so if you're in the market for what should be a uh, I don't think it would be a bargain it's currently in terms of pricing there's no bidding available at the moment but um, it will be, uh, it's due to start auctions on June 17th, so you've got a bit more time to get your uh, finances in order, but uh, we'll have that link in there for you to check out. It's it's kind of a cool spec. It's purple. It's got a bronze uh, copper-looking wheels. I don't know probably just annoyed a whole heap of Lamborghini listeners not wanting not getting the colors right, but it's actually a pretty good spec. I yeah, it's a hopefully it finds its way to to a good owner. Um, and maybe get a good good bargain. So we'll be starting with a price of three hundred ninety thousand. Um, but this particular car in twenty eighteen had a sticker price of four hundred eighty three thousand. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that pricing goes. But that's all of the news. You're fully caught up um, for what has happened in the last week or so. And um, yeah, if you want to make sure that you're subscribed, if you have any questions, uh, you'd like to ask your shows at dailyautofix.com. Um, leave us a review and uh, we can't wait to see you next time. But until then, drive safely and uh, yeah, happy driving.